Heidi Ho neighbor, and welcome to another Art House Rewind. I'm Matt. I'm Arliss. I'm Brian. And I'm Pete. Oh, we got a new guy here, the rookie, Pete. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. We'll talk about the specifics of who you are and why you're here in just a second. Uh, But we're here, as always, to talk about all things film, art, and culture, particularly as it pertains to Billings, Montana, and the Art House Cinema, and the Babcock Theater. Gentlemen, how are you today? Good. 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 Got your Valentine's Day plans ready to go? The, yes. <laughs> the two single guys on staff, you're ready? Yep. Feeling good? Good. Uh, oh, maybe we should hang out together. <laughs> oh, this is great. Is this the beginning of something beautiful? I think that's what's happening. I Wanna love it. Want to go to Sleepless in Seattle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of Sleepless in Seattle, Brian, what are three things that people need to know that are coming to Art House and the Babcock Theater in the next week? Oh, well, we've got quite a few things. Um, the three things that I want to highlight, though, is uh, this week we are bringing in a film that we uh, weren't able to bring in in the summer because we were under construction at the time, but I, it is now an Oscar nominee in a couple fields, So, uh, and it is one of my favorite films of the year. It is Past Lives that I'm bringing in for one week only, so be sure to catch that one at Art House. Um, it's also kind of appropriate that it is on Valentine's Day week, so good date night for those of you looking for plans. Are you looking for another pat on the back about how good you are at your job? Um, yes. Okay. Thank You're you. You're doing a good job. Uh, also, <laughs> I have uh, at Art House, we have the Kinetoscope Screen Dance uh, Film Festival. Uh, we did this several years ago before the pandemic. We um, kind of dabbled in this uh, unique collection of dance films that uh, it showcases a lot of unique talent um, on the screen. So uh, they are bringing that back on the road and we will have it Saturday and Sunday, three and six o'clock at Art House. So make sure to check those ones out. They are really interesting and something totally unique. And then lastly, um, love is in the air. So we've got a few uh, things, like I mentioned, Past Lives is a good one for your Valentine's Day week. This weekend, I also have 10 Things I Hate About You for its 25th anniversary. Excellent. Excellent. And also Valentine's Day is Sleepless in Seattle. So yeah, lots, lots of, of good stuff. lovey-dovey things out there. And you, Brian and Arliss, will be hanging out. I can't wait yeah. to hear about how the night goes. Yeah. It's going to be great. So today, uh, we're going to talk about a couple things. Uh, I want to talk about a film uh, we reopened on Friday, Zone of Interest. It's one we've been talking about, we've been excited about. So we're going to dive kind of deeper into that. But before we do, we opened another film on Friday that you yeah. mentioned last week, Brian, and we've seen a lot of people come out for it. And it's the reason that there's that fourth voice on the podcast this week. Uh, Mr. Peter Tolton is here, and he is uh, one of the major uh, voices and influencers and artists behind this film. And so we're so excited that not only is it a local film, but we get to have him here today. So Sir, how's it been going for you? We opened it on Friday, sold out Friday. Saturday was full. I think we sold out yesterday, Sunday as well. So it's, I mean, from our end, going gangbusters. How are you feeling? What's this journey been like for you? And what are you looking forward to coming up? Feeling, <clears throat> feeling wonderful. Um, you know, in, in, a, in a way, this is playing it at Art House has been core to our kind of the long arc of this film's journey. And, you know, we, we started the our efforts back in January of 2018 with a 
uh, kind of a private event here to gain interest and to do a little fundraising. And then that spring we went to Vietnam for principal photography. And then gosh, here we are six years later after the remodel and in the beautiful new theater, um, finally playing the film, the finished film um, in the place where it kind of all started. So I like that kind of full circle view of things. Yeah, I think what's really cool is not only is the film here, which is great, but you and Stan are at all of the screenings, essentially. You're doing Q&As, you're having, you know, interaction. And so this is one of those moments of like, if maybe you don't know much about the film, but it's an opportunity to actually meet the filmmakers and, you know, ask questions that we all ask, you know, and wonder certain things after watching a movie. And so how's that been going? The Q&As after, feeling good? Yeah, feeling really good. I mean, that direct audience engagement um, we're still always interested in people's feedback and how the movie hits them, where they think it should go. Um, really keen on any criticisms, even at this stage in the game, that people have of the film. But also the just the kind of emergent conversations that happen after the credits roll, which I know is, you know, core to the mission here of Art House that you're you're sitting, experiencing something deeply uninterrupted by, you know, your phone or your family or the general, you know, distractions of daily life. And then the lights come back on and you're sitting among friends, family or strangers and, and left with little to do but discuss what you just experienced. And, you know, that that has really been a fruitful um, and nourishing thing for Stan and me after the after our screenings, but I think it's also been pretty special to hear from people who um, have direct life experience in the military, in in the Vietnam conflict, in um, or who have rifts between them and other and other family members or loved ones who are being spoken to by this film, which is uh, really what we were what we're going for in in making it. So that's been wonderful for us. But I think I think it's also been um, you know, from what we've heard, it's been it's been a great way for people to 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 watch and, and discuss it as well. Yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. I mean, it's part of the reason this space exists. Our our mission is you know creating connections through great film art and culture, and so like it's happening. And we're so grateful to have you in the space. Thanks for all your work, and so happy to be a part of this journey with you. So thank you. Got um, another week and a half to check it out. That's so. right. Till the fifteenth on uh, this Friday, the ninth is um, we'll be hosting. Keith Edgerton, a recently former retired MSUB history professor who has also been back to Vietnam multiple times with students and so has a lot of direct experience of what Vietnam has become in the aftermath of the conflict. And he also taught a class on the 1960s for many years. And then on the 10th, we have Horses, Spirits, Healing. We'll have three folks from that organization that does equine therapy with a veteran's focus and also teaches kids how to ride horses. Really cool outfit. Uh, and then on the 13th, we'll be joined by Mike McManus of Veterans Navigation Network, That uh, a wonderful, open-hearted, and hardworking nonprofit that connects uh, veterans with uh, resources and community um, to kind of fill a lot of a lot of needs there. So um, special screenings with those folks, and again, Stan and I will be um, after each of the screenings coming up. But I'm also really excited about Past Lives because that's one of my the best movies I've ever seen. You saw it already. I I've haven't seen, seen it. it. I'm so happy Brian booked it. I was like, yes, it's a win for me. So it's, I'm excited to check it out. It's tremendous. 
As I mentioned, I, I saved Matt four dollars in rentals. <laughs> yeah, so just I was going to rent it to watch it. So thanks for saving my budget there, Brian. All right. Uh, speaking of Brian, Brian, can you give us a quick rundown on this film called The Zone of Interest that we opened on Friday? Yeah. So the just a second. Your mic is not working. Let's try that again. You're doing great. Yeah. So uh, the Zone of Interest is the new film by Jonathan Glazer, who uh, this is his fourth feature film. He started with Sexy Beast, then he did Birth, and then he did Under the Skin. And this is his first film in about a decade, really. And it's a an interesting look at um, Auschwitz, the Holocaust, uh, but from the perspective of a family living outside the camp, like directly right next to the camp. And it's almost more of a slice of life film as it is, you know, it's it's not Schindler's List. It's not Life is Beautiful. It, it is really a, a unique sort of slice of life of what living in Auschwitz at that time would have been like. And uh, it's super fascinating that. And it's it, it's an experimental approach as 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 strange as that sounds, it's it's quite a unique viewing experience. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, Arliss, let's start with you. What did you think about Zone of Interest? Oh, yeah, I loved it, but which is weird to say because having to deal with the <laughs> subject matter. But like you were saying, it was a slice of life yeah. film, but it was such a unique take on the subject matter without yeah. having... The, I mean, we know there's suffering going on, but without it explicitly on screen having that happen and it's more through like the characters dialogue where we know what's going on in the camps on the other side well we're stuck with these characters talking yeah. about living their paradise life and it, the upheavals because one of them's leaving and it's such like a sociopath like mm -hmm. I, I mean like psychotic kind of situation going on with mm -hmm. like how because they it's normalized to them so that's what made it super like weird. Yeah, there, there's a business meeting where they're talking about how to be more efficient in, you know, getting the furnaces hotter to be more efficient in killing people. And it's just mm -hmm. very much like, yeah. you know, what's it, the bottom it's line? No different than our staff meetings, essentially. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks that's for that. Somebody so. else said it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, I mean, and, and I think that's what you're pointing at is yeah. it, it, there's a normalcy to it. But I mean, in, in a lot of ways, that's the point of the film. Like, there, there was, this normalcy in the midst of all of this pain and suffering and, and the juxtaposition of those two things. So Pete, what about you? what did you think of the film? Uh, I was very impacted by it. I think, you know, there's this, there's this thing that happens in the public consciousness. And this is a bit, you know, this is like speculation on my part, but I, I feel like when monsters and villains are only required to inhabit like a, a narrative block that is the size and shape of the monster of a monster and villain, then they're really like restricted and they can only like act out of kind of a blind evil and they're, they're sort of robotic. And I think that that's kind of an old, an old way of telling stories within cinema. Of course, literature has been exploring this for a long time, but when, when villain characters are allowed to like, you know, breathe and take time for themselves and have children and tend to their gardens and have chit chat and get dressed in the morning. Like it reminds us that there's something beyond our limited concept of something as 
you know, atrocious as the Holocaust, that there were like, that's a, that's a human endeavor in every sense of the word. You know, there's like, there's routines and, and petty arguments and domesticity underneath it all. And I've never seen those elements explored about something so atrocious ever. And I, I'm certainly not saying that you love these characters, but they have a dimensionality that um, I think is extremely unique. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Brian? Yeah. Um, so I was surprised by, yeah, I, I, the trailer doesn't give a whole lot away. Correct. And so I wasn't exactly sure what this film was going to be. And when I saw it, I was, I was surprised that it, in its DNA, it has more in common with Gene Dealman <laughs> than it yep. does something like Schindler's List. Uh, uh, Gene Dealman is this 1974. Seventy-five, seventy-five yeah. uh, French film that uh, was just Sight and Sound called it the best film ever made just last year or two years ago, and it's really this—it's a four-hour-long movie of a woman going about her day, um, which sounds like the most boring thing, but mm-hmm. it is. But it takes strangely place. hypnotic. Yeah. It is strangely engaging, uh, and it's—it it is a lot like that of just you are witnessing this family go about their day-to-day lives being proud of their garden that is, you know, (laughs) they realize that they are right next to the camp and they're like, yeah, we're hoping we can get some vines to grow up and kind of cover the wall. And Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just the way that they, they take pride in where they live, but all throughout the film you're hearing, and the sound design is incredible in this, is that you're not seeing any of the atrocities over the wall, but you are hearing it throughout the entire film. And it's so unique in the way that it is seriously just a a fly on the wall of this family that is, again, like Pete was saying, like these are atrocious people, but but we're witnessing them in a whole new light than we would have, you know, just reading about them in a history book or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean it's it's really fast. Sorry, it's really fascinating to me. Like, I, I heard someone talking about how it was shot that it's almost shot like a reality TV show where you yeah. have your camera set up and this is the hallway shot and this is the kitchen shot yeah. and this is you know that it's not necessarily a lot of and so you're you're in our like visual language mm-hmm. that's something we're used to so it puts us in. Yeah. Like we're we're viewing it differently than a really you know dramatic camera moves and things like that, which adds to that. Yeah, there's me. only a few like there. Most of the shots are just these static yeah. lockdown things. There's a few tracking shots that move left or right, you know, following through the garden or things like that. Yeah, but very running on the river. It's yeah, a tracking shot. Yeah, yeah. but uh, but yeah, for the most part, it is these static like, and sometimes even just like looking like down a hallway or down, you know, through an open door or something like that. It's it's the, the cinematography is super minimalist but super impactful. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, we're having a lot of mic issues this week. I'm not sure what's going on. It's not you, Pete. It's us. Don't worry. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I mean it's uh, the. Intensity of the film, it never lets up. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, I mean, I've heard some people speak negatively about the sound design as far as like it, you, you just want it to stop, you know? Yeah. And, and so as long as you're willing to like be in that space, you're feeling something, you're feeling the weight of something for the whole runtime. Um, and, and I found it like, I don't know, it's, it's really, it's been challenging to me to watch this family that's fighting for the thing 
that at the end of the day, all of us around this table on some levels are fighting for like a happy life, you know, mm-hmm. peaceful existence, big family, stability. stability, like those kinds of things. And even that interaction between uh, her and the husband of like, I found my dream. Like you get to, you have to leave. I'm staying here. Like that's something that, you know, has some relevance. Not that I've been there personally, but we all understand that feeling of like, this is the dream. Like we're here. We did it. All the while there are all these atrocities happening literally right next door. And just like, it, it's just, it's crazy to think that like this, yes, happened. And this has, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, hyperbolize anything, but this has the potential to be any one of our lives that we focus on a dream outside of the, the, the reality that we're creating to, to go after that dream. Yeah. And when you talk about like the kind of the din, like the back, the background noise of what's happening in the concentration camp, just over the wall, I think the film is really prodding at the question of like, if the Holocaust were happening in modern times, what would our personal relationship to and involvement in it be? And of course, because of how awful it is and also how that question is so heavily moralized, like our obvious answer is, well, of course I wouldn't participate. And that was the past and that was a different time. And thank God we live in the modern era and that we've learned from it when, you know, I think it's asking the question of human nature of would it actually be any different now? And that's, and, you know, in with kind of what's going on in public discussions and in current events, I feel like that question is more relevant now than it has been perhaps for a long time. Sure. Yeah. The only other thing I'd, I'd highlight and then I'd ask any final thoughts from you guys is, the ending for me was mm-hmm. incredibly impactful. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know this is a historical film, so there isn't really spoilers at the end of the day. <laughs> but the way uh, the ending plays out with him walking down the staircase, having some sort of you know physical issues happening, and then it cuts to modern day Auschwitz, and it's showing the shoes and the bags, and like just this heaviness. And it, like I was there, and I was feeling it. But then the choice to cut back to him, like I, yeah, like I haven't been that emotionally moved by something in a long time, like it, just like that weight of that the, that's your legacy, and to yeah. watch, you know, to to Pete's point, like you you are having some humanizing, you know, moments with these people, mm-hmm. to watch him climb a ladder, like give his life away in so many, for something maybe he believed in and, you know, he was an actual war criminal and all of these things was, you know, they hanged him. But at the end of the day, like that was his legacy. And here he is in the hallway, like just that connection. I did not expect that cut back to him and it got me. Exactly. I expected that to be more or less the epilogue of, oh, and now here we are in present day. That's another thing. But it, it truly was the cut back to him. Yep. That that totally remade the yep. the epilogue made it you know far more impactful than just yep this is what we have now you're <laughs> you're almost refeeling or exactly. rethinking the entire movie by cutting back exactly. to him at the end it was mm-hmm. just masterful and then to cut to black and then you have to sit in that yep. darkness in for an uncomfortable amount yep. of time and, and the same at the beginning the yeah. beginning yeah. has that uncomfortably long like. Just is the projector droning. working? Is something exactly. broken? Exactly. The, yeah, yeah. the droning and the, the sounds and, and, and yeah, you just... The flowers cutting to red. Yeah. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, 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 I, I, Arliss and I said that it, it is 
one of the most experimental best picture nominees ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like part of that experimental part of it too is where I doesn't really handhold the audience through like, you got to come in with prior knowledge of the Holocaust yeah. to like True. why the background yeah, is so creepy. Like if you don't know anything about the trains, as soon as you see that the train plume coming over, yep. mm-hmm. over him while he's like just watching kids play in the yard yeah. where it's like, they're bringing more Jews in mm-hmm. to exterminate them. And yeah. Yeah. And then even the infrared stuff, I did have to ask finally figured out what that was, but that was a girl in real life that was, putting fruit mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. stuff in the trenches. So yeah. it was like, uh, I don't like the way they shot it, but it was a girl actually wearing her dress, the real life person's oh, really? dress while okay. they were doing that. Okay. Yeah. And then realizing that later comes back into when the little boy is peeking out the window and he says, don't do it again. Don't do Don't do that again. Okay. They're fighting over an apple to what she like was putting. Gotcha. Yeah. Planning mm. for him later. And then, they get in trouble because they're fighting over that. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Okay. I didn't yeah. make that connection. Wow. Yeah. That was, a, I mean, again, experimental part mm-hmm. of the film for mm-hmm. me, like the way they shot it. And, and, you know, it's one of those, like what you start into it, you're like, what's happening. And I think over time you figure out what's happening, but yeah, it's, mm-hmm. I, for me, my final thought, and then if anybody else has anything would be simply like this for me was a, another picture of, why I think cinema is one of the like peak art forms. It's like using all of the things, uh, you know, uh, there's so many multiple art forms that can communicate and do things emotionally, but cinema continues to be the, the great stew of all of those things of visual, of sound, of, you know, acting and all, all of these things just together. And, and for me, the emotional impact of the film was like, yep, this is like, you could read a book on it, but you wouldn't mm-hmm. miss out on that sound design. You yeah. know, the, all, there's all these things that have just come together to create this emotion. So any final thoughts, gentlemen? No, we, <laughs> we've said it we all. covered it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I mean, the, the music itself too was also very unsettling, which is outside of when, when, when the theater empties out and the credits are playing with that uncomfortable sound, yep. having not just sat through the film, it is it is kind of an annoying <laughs> soundtrack <laughs> to have to like go in and sweep the theater and it's like, oh, this drone is happening. Yeah. But in the context of the film, it is so much more yeah. powerful. Yeah. Oh no, I've been having volunteers like, Zone of Interest, a horror movie? Should I go yeah. see it? Yeah. And then it's like <laughs> let me tell you what this is yeah. about real quick. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Pete, thanks so much for joining us, man. What a lovely... Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are probably going to triple our subscriber base uh, because we get guests on here like Pete Tolton. So thanks for being here. If you had, get out of here. If you haven't hit that subscribe button, just what do the kids say? Smash that sma- subscribe button. Did I do it right, Arliss? <laughs> uh, he's laughing, yeah, I so I think that. that's a yes. Yeah, Arliss, kidding. what do you and your fellow kids say? <laughs> we uh, follow on TikTok. Yeah, Paul, we don't. Uh, all right, we need to wrap this up before I age myself even more. All right, thanks so much. I hope everybody has a great week. Come and see Return, The Zone of Interest, and Past Lives. Nothing but great cinema happening here. And then the Babcock yeah. has cool things too. So, other than that, hope to see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.